Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, I am with my friend Tanner, who I am meeting for the first time in actual movement, like live movement. So I'm so happy that you're here and we're going to talk all about social media and evangelization. Tanner, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am like, so like, where are you? Who are you? What are you up to? What's going on? I I am a man in Denver, Colorado. Love that. He's succinct. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up Catholic. I, I consider myself like a playground Catholic, not necessarily sure. a cradle Catholic, not necessarily a convert, but my mom and I came into the church when I was five and loved Jesus since, and it's been an up and down ride with him. Mm-hmm. I think I really struggled with, with knowing the faith. We like grew up Catholic, but not really, really understanding the faith until I got to college and became a part of focus through that. And I was going to do focus right out of college, but I was also involved in the comedy scene in Austin, Texas. I booked a film that shot me out to Los Angeles and I was in the entertainment industry for five years before the Lord just continued to work on my heart and drew me in a deeper, deeper aversion and later became uh, an older focus missionary out in Boulder, Colorado and been in ministry since. I currently work for the National Eucharistic Congress. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. So that, oh my gosh, that is gross. From, <laughs> from like Hollywood to, to the Eucharistic Congress. I mean, that is like, that is a lifetime movie if I've ever heard one. So, wow. Well, All the yeah. cheese and everything. You All know? the cheese, super corny. Wow. No, but that <laughs> is amazing. That sounds so cool. And I am, I'm really happy that you're here and honored that you gave us your time. And I know that for you, I see you on social media all the time and and with social media being this place that can, you know, some people can say isn't fruitful to actual, right, spiritual growth, but then other people will argue that it is like a place that we can really baptize, right? And we can make it this place of actual growth and, you know, good human interaction and knowledge. So for you, I see you all the time on social media and I'm like, man, Tanner is really doing the work with like evangelizing. You are just constantly bringing people back to Jesus in a space where a lot of people don't think that's possible. And I am curious, one, how did you get there? Was there something that kind of peaked? Because if you're coming from like Hollywood to Eucharistic Congress, I mean, that's that's a journey. So like, how did you get to a place where you're like, you know what? I got to start using my space or maybe I had been, but I'm going to more intentionally use my space to be even, you know, evangelical. And I know also that I've seen you like on TikTok and you are hilarious and it's just like <laughs> you are like so funny. And it's amazing that you're able to use your gifts and talents in that way to really like, you know, answer some tough questions that people may have and just like make people laugh, which I think is a gateway to Con- good conversation. So circling back, how did you get to where you are right now? Well, thank you for those kind words. Praise God. Uh, that's very kind of you. So in Hollywood, you know, I had a manager and an agent and they just constantly were pushing me to build my social media. They said like my Instagram was my headshot, my calling card. Oh. And so for many years, me and my best friend out there, we would like do just like, oh man, just looking back, like such a vain photo shoots, just kind of promote ourselves and get ourselves there. So a casting agent could like, like us more. 
which is like so artificial. But I know that I lost roles. Literally, casting directors told my agents this that I lost roles. They wanted me, but they gave it to someone else because they simply had more followers, which makes sense. Like if you're investing a bunch of money and someone has 500 followers and the other person has like 500,000 followers, uh-huh. you're going to invest in that because they'll, they'll draw more to, to the audience. So through years of just like kind of like doing this and realizing this is just like disgusting and, and just kind of like vain. And I, I looked at my Instagram one day and I remember thinking like, man, would, would anyone know that like, I love the Lord, but anyone know Oof. that I'm... Yikes, that's a hard heart check. Yikes. It's a, it's a hard heart check because your social media really is a reflection of who you are. And I was looking at it, I was like, zero idea. And I felt really convicted in that. And I started to kind of slowly... Just like I'd have like a picture of like the mountains or maybe like it'd <laughs> be like John three, like, <laughs> like just, just super. This cheap. guy's super authentic. He's like, Hey, you know yeah. what? Like, yeah, he, not all who wanders are lost. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just like, again, social media, I really view it as kind of like a reflection of who you are. And it was very like, it was very clear that I was like in two worlds. I was like tiptoeing this line of like trying to follow Jesus, but also conquering the world. And then I just like decided one day to kind of like, just give it all to Jesus. Like I'm, I'm tired of kind of chasing the dream. I'm tired of trying to, to make a name for myself. Like it, it's not proving to be restful, no matter the amount of success that I have out there. And so I decided to like give everything Jesus, like my, my career, my relationships, my location, my, my art. And so I started making things for the Lord. My managers were trying to like get me on TikTok for the longest time for the Saturday Night Live, like talent agents, like Saturday Night Live was the dream there. Mm-hmm. And so I started making funny videos for Jesus as kind of like, kind of like a, how do I say this? PG, just kind of like a. This is like a PG-13 show. So you can, okay. it's all good. Yeah. It was kind of like a symbolic, like F, like, like middle yeah, finger. No. Yeah, yeah. For middle sure. finger uh, to the entertainment industry. And so. Uh, sorry if that's offensive to anyone. Yeah, but I, okay. like, I was like, no, no, like I, I'm no more self promotion. I'm only the only things that are going to come out of me are, are to help build the kingdom. And so, Oof. social media kind of forced me to make like an all in thing. And I, I had to check myself constantly to make sure that I know I've used social media for pride in the past. And it's just kind of like a constant thing, doing fast from it here and there, just checking my heart constantly to to make sure I'm. I'm doing it for the right reasons and I pray I am. I'm just I'm just trying to, to do my part because I really view social media as like the eighth continent. You know, like it's and a lot of people will spend more time, unfortunately, in, in the realm of social media than they actually do in reality, wherever they are. Oh, yikes. Ah, oh, that really mm, I feel that's hurtful. So I was just talking with a friend the other day and I was like, you know what's so crazy? At the end of, you know, you're so busy in your day-to-day life. And at the end of my days, sometimes I'll find myself just like laying in my room and I'll just go on TikTok for just like 30 minutes and I'm mindless. And I'm like, I just need to reclaim some of my day. And my friend was like, you know, Chanel, you've been telling me about how you really want to pick up some more spiritual reading. And that seems like a prime 30 minutes. And I'm like, wow, that really sucks that you said that because I hate that you said that. And so not, <laughs> and sometimes it's like, you know, it's those harsh kind of, you know, heart checks of like, man, you know, I really, like you were saying, some people just don't live in reality and they live in that social media sphere. So then like, how can you baptize that? 
space to make it a reality for people, like to bring people out of their kind of lit world that they're in into the reality that Jesus Christ, you know, suffered and died for them. And so it's like crazy to think, especially in a space with so many people that are saying so many things. And I'm curious for you, like when you share things, what are your hopes? What are your takeaways that you hope that other people kind of experience through your art and what you're doing? I'm just trying to plant seeds that the Lord can water. Like my missionary, my focused missionary in college planted a seed to me that just like plagued me for like five years. He just, he kept asking me the question, how is your prayer life? Like every time Ugh. he would just ask me, how's your prayer life? And, and that question just like burned into my mind to where like every day I'd be like, shoot, like, why am I not praying? Like, how's my prayer life? Like what's going on? Mm. So I finally had to address it. And so I'm just trying to like sear an idea, like a little nugget of truth, goodness, or beauty into someone's mind that like, will like divinely plague them until they do <laughs> something about it. You know? Oh man. Oh man, man, man. That is, yeah, that is, I totally get it. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to see that like we, sometimes that you're just the catalyst for how the Lord can work and that you're not like the end all be all for someone's like whole spiritual life. So that's a beautiful thing to just be able to acknowledge that you're planting that seed. And so I'm curious, you know, what is one of the most recent cool things that you're proud of on your social media that you've done lately? Hmm. You know, so there's a Eucharistic revival going on right now, but I talk about this a lot. I, I, I'm like, it's so cool what the Lord is doing. There's a simultaneous great communion revival that's happening in Protestantism. Like a lot of Protestant brothers and sisters are going through this kind of resurgence and re-recognition that the Lord's Supper is a, is a central element of worship. It's not this kind of like nice addition. And somehow, praise God, my my videos that I make about the Eucharist have kind of leaked into some Protestant corners. And there's a few Protestant, or I should say two like kind of Protestant pastors with with decent following who've got eyes on it and have like opened the gates to like dialogue with me, which is like really cool. Wow. Uh, they're really curious. They're really hungry. And of course, like if you're missing the fullness of like the bread of life, then like you're going to be hungry. So uh, something that's really cool that's happening is just like dialogue with with Protestants and like uh, Protestants with like some some influence that are like reach a lot of people. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. And I just can't imagine how humbling that must feel to have people want to reach out to you to have, you know, any kind of conversation because that openness is really hard. And, you know, and being able to be like, man, I just have a question or like, I'm curious about this without, and especially feeling like, oh, I hope I'm not met with, you know, sassiness or preachiness. And so that must be so humbling to be like, how do I navigate this interaction in a way that's charitable and only from God, you know, and not from me. Wow. Oh my gosh. No, I know. I like the other day I was, I was having a conversation with one of these guys. And they're like, what's like the hope? Like, what is it for us to just be Catholic? Oh, and I was like, uh, I was yeah. like, I was like, dude, <laughs> want. like, yeah, that is, that is the dream, you know? So it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I really feel like the Lord is doing something really cool in this time. It, it, I think he's like bringing his church back into one, you know, that was like part of his prayer 
throughout the end of John's gospel. That's like the heart of St. Paul in his letters. That's the heart of the early church fathers. If you read them, it's just like to have one mind, one heart, one faith, one bread, one cup that we drink from one Lord. And, and, and I think the Lord is like starting to do that. Mm. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. And you know, and usually I don't do this because it's all about the guests, but I think that this little story will, you'll appreciate it. So a couple of weeks ago, I went on a, uh, so I'm planning like a pilgrimage, a national pilgrimage for next year in anticipation of the Congress. So we're like brother and sister in this work, which is so cool. And we did like a test pilgrimage in Indiana. And so it was like a hundred miles and there were some awesome young adults that walked the full hundred. I walked 20, which, oh my gosh, like God bless. I really feel for like the Israelites in the desert. Cause I was like, this is nuts. Like this must be craziest. And so, um, but it was cool because one of the pilgrims was sharing with me that on one of the walking days, they stopped at a Protestant church for like lunch after like a 12 mile day, stopped for lunch and just to take a little rest and drink some water. And on the way to the church, the churchgoers put in their yards um, because they're just walking in neighborhood streets. There's Eucharistic procession. So the priest was holding the monstrance in the front. People are singing very, very, very Catholic, observably. And so they're walking on the way to this Protestant church and the church goes put yard signs in their yards, welcoming the pilgrims saying like, you know, we're so excited to have you. Welcome to our church, you know, blah, blah, blah. And one of the churchgoers owned like a coffee cart. And so she had like a coffee cart outside and she was giving everyone iced coffee and like having conversation about their prayer and how it was going. And they were so like arms wide open to what was going on in the most explicit way of Eucharistic adoration, which is probably one of the most like topsy-turvy things for people to put their heads around when it comes to being Catholic, you know? And I just thought that was so cool. I'm like, man, like, man, we are being like ecumenical. We are really bringing, we're like holding hands, brother and sister in this mix. And it was so cool to hear, especially with just the yard signs and saying like, welcome to our community. We're so happy to have you. And not even just in a way of like, we're having a simple prayer service and we'd like to stop by your church. But like, we are, we truly believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist and we're walking 12 miles to have a public profession of faith. And we'd like to stop at your church to have lunch. Like, oh, cool. that is you so- know, but it's like, in what way are, and the expectation is that people would be like, oh, no, like we don't really believe like, no, but they were like, no, you know, you're, if you're doing this for God and you're praying for the world and absolutely you can use our space and we're going to welcome you. And we're so happy to have you here. Like that's almost, almost one of those things that you believe is unheard of. So I think that that's beautiful that people are, you know, coming into your space as well and saying like, hey, how can we like, what are just curious? Like, what are you thinking about this? Because I think dialogue is the only way to truly be able to like be with one another. So that's amazing. So that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Oh, yes. No, I was I was honored to like be a part of be a part of that in any way. And it was super cool to hear that. And it's cool to hear how because growing up, I grew up like not Catholic at all until I was in high school. And so like growing up, especially going to high school youth group, it's like you kind of believe that's your only 
those are the only Catholics that exist in the world. So then I learned more Catholics exist, but then I just kind of learned that there's Catholics and Protestants and then other religions. So then I just kind of was like, well, you know, Protestants aren't fans of us. Like they don't, they don't want to work with us. They don't really like us that much. And then growing up, it's like, well, actually they are super into dialogue and conversation most of the time. And they were all of the time, we're all of the time, we're just like all trying to love Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. So I'm curious for you, what would you say to someone that's like, okay, I glanced over my social media. I glanced over my threads, glanced over my TikTok, maybe my For You page is kind of crazy. I glanced over my Instagram and I just feel like it's not, like nobody would know that I love Jesus from this. And maybe it's just, maybe some people will say, you know, this is actually just a space where I just want to be me. I hear that a lot. Like people are like, I just want to be me. I don't want to have to be like preachy or anything. What would you say to someone that's trying to navigate that balance? Like how do you make social media a space of evangelization and still be yourself? Or are those two things not separate? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, not, not everyone is is called to like preach on social media, but I think uh-huh. everyone is called to have a genuine reflection of who they are. Yeah. And so like, if you're posting, like you having a good time at a T-Swift concert, but you're not ever posting anything about like the Lord or going to mass and like experiencing Jesus and the Eucharist, then like, yeah, I think you should take a step back and like ask yourself, like, how can I, how can I more authentically express who I am? And and, and start small. I'd say like, start small. Like it, it, it can be subtle. Like what I was doing out in Los Angeles, like it was mixed with like, it, it was, it would be okay if it wasn't mixed with like, just like self vain promotion, promotion, but just the little nuggets here and there. And like, let people know that like what you believe in, what you stand by. I really believe that like if every Catholic just confidently expressed that they're Catholic, without being preachy or without being like forceful or, or abrasive on social media, then it would normalize like the, 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 the Catholic faith and like, well, that. and then all of a sudden, like it would be, it would like infiltrate society. Then this is going to get a little heady real quick. Just bear nah, with me. No, nah, I get it. Yep. Monsignor, <laughs> Monsignor Shade in his book from Christendom to Apostolic Mission talks about how like we as society, like uh, there's just kind of like a set of beliefs and like, morals and principles and rules that society follows just kind of like in the air we breathe it in and and you can just pick it up by being somewhere and and like right now we're like definitely in kind of like an apostolic age so like the morals and stuff that we breathe in like the the kind of rules that our society operates on are no longer christian they're they're very like oftentimes anti-christian and i think that's because catholics have just failed to to like share the gospel we've failed to like express ourselves and so we've allowed other voices to get louder and if we just started just expressing ourselves fully, sharing our faith, then like we'd be putting out into the kind of like environment, like the the fullness of truth and that would infiltrate and then people would start to be breathing it in and like it would infiltrate society. That's kind uh-huh. of like a, a heady kind of like- No, no. I, I, I've given this a lot of thought. I just, I really believe that. And so if people just need to start small and just- put stuff out there that they're not ashamed to be Catholic. And then like, ask yourself, am I ashamed of this? Like, what can I do? Can I have conversations with people about like what they believe and then confidently express what I believe, not, not forcing it on them, but like standing by the church. Oof. 
Oof. Yes. Well, I mean, that is a call to me and I'm sure to everyone listening as well to just be like, man, I need to be a little bit more reflective. It's like, how many times am I posting about like this new awesome dessert I've had versus like any spiritual experience at all? You know, any posting too. Honestly, it is. Honestly, it is. I'm going to walk that back. It is. And so, yeah, but it's like, it's amazing to have that reflection and to really like think about how we're using the spaces that we have. Because at the end of the day, like all of us have the platforms of, you know, by virtue of us just being individuals, we have a platform, whether we're speaking to one person or 5,000 people. And so it's amazing to think that we can use that in a way that's actually virtuous. So, wow. 200 followers. Yeah. Even a hundred followers, that's a hundred people. Like, Humans used to live in packs of 200 people max. <laughs> like, yeah, you have a whole pack of people there that you like share. I know. Yeah. I was telling my mom, I was like, you know, it's so crazy, mommy. Like it's it's almost crazy to think that we minimize this thought of like, oh, I hear people say like, oh, I'm not. I just post kind of whatever. I just kind of do whatever. I only have like 300 people that follow me. I'm like 300 if I said that I am friends with 300 people, like really friends, people would be like, that's crazy. That's a lot of people. That thing, that's a lot of people because I'm really like only friends with like maybe like 10 people that I talk to on a continual basis. So right. then it's like 300 people that are logging on to like hear you and watch you. That's like a huge audience, you know? So it's like, it's just so amazing to think about how you can actually use that for something that's fruitful and good, you know? And so anyway, but I I wish that we had like 10 hours um, for me to just ask you questions, but I am so grateful for you being here. And as we, at the end of every episode, as we wrap this up, we ask each guest about something that gives them hope or something that they're hopeful for. So this can be something in the past that has given you hope or something you're looking forward to that is going to give you hope. So if you need time to think about it, I can go first, or if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? I'm ready, let's rock. Okay. The Eucharistic revival gives me a lot of hope. I think that years from now, we will look back and be like, wow, the Lord really moved during that time. And so I think something really, really awesome and beautiful. Oh, wow, that's a solid answer, wow. And so then my answer is going to be so, so silly in the, in the spectrum of that, but still legit. So I went with a friend yesterday to dinner for my birthday and uh, we had- I'll be belated. um, And so this is all about me, this podcast. And so (laughs) we um, went to this really nice restaurant and, and I was sharing with her about how growing up, we never went to like super nice restaurants. We were like a Chili's I mean, Chili's is like pretty elevated. Chili's is the like a, Yeah, yeah. Chili is like a TGI Friday's family. And so, but anything like outside of like a brand, we never really went to because it's kind of like was perceived as like a waste of money. So it's interesting being older and having the opportunity to kind of like love yourself in those ways, right? And realize that you're worth a $40 meal. And so I felt hopeful having friends and community that also believe that. And it was great sharing like a good meal and good conversation and talk about like how we can both love each other better and love our community better and talk about our friends and, you know, how they might need, you know, us or how we might need them. And it was just like super beautiful to 
chair that over something that was crafted by people that like care about what they're doing. And I felt honored in that way to be able to love myself in a meal that didn't make me feel sick and to be able to have a community of people that actually, you know, are seeking my good. So it was like a double thing. And the dessert I had was nuts. I love that. That's like a small Eucharistic revival right there. Like you're gathering table, sharing food with good community and like growing. Like that's that's where that's what it is. Jesus planned it. Yep. So it was. Yeah. So it was so good. So Tanner, where can we find out more about what you're doing and the revival and just like everything about what's going on? So you can go to eucharisticrevival.org, eucharisticpilgrimage.org, eucharisticcongress.org. Those are kind of like the three pillars of the Eucharistic Revival. And definitely, you know, consider going to the Congress next July. It's going to be an awesome moment in the history of the Catholic Church in America. So start there. And then if you if you want to hear more and learn more about the Eucharist, you can give a little follow at Tanner Kalina on on the socials. And if not, hey, that's great. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like, and if not, that's okay. I mean, that's okay. I'll, yeah, it'll it'll be fine. But yeah, we'll make sure to drop that in our show notes so people can check that out. But in the meantime, Tanner, we'll be praying for you and we're so happy that you gave us your time. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Tanner for being our guest. I would invite you guys to really have some time of self-reflection on how is your social media a place for evangelization? What does that look like for you? I hope that this conversation was fruitful and I'm looking forward to talking with you guys again in the next week and a half. In the meantime, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.